Welcome back to Rural Queensland today, Monday morning on the Resonate Broadcast Network, the 13th of February already. Senator Matt Canavan joins us this morning. Matt, good morning, mate. Um, it's been a hot couple of uh, days. I hope you're staying out of the shade, but gee whiz, we've got some problems in Queensland that need fixing. We sure do, Dobbo. Uh, you know, I think we've got a state government that's basically checked out. Uh, you know, uh, I just don't think they're really focused on the major issues and then, you, then they seem to get blindsided by things like the rising crime in Townsville right across Queensland. Uh, and, you know, in, where I'm from in central Queensland, they've uh, shut down a maternity ward in a major centre in Gladstone. It's an absolute crisis. It's so bad for young mums. It's already a stressful time for them. And uh, they, they just can't even get adequate health services now. Look, from... And I know the health come under the state's watch, and I understand that completely, but the fact that there's not a birthing suite in Gladstone at all and that they're being directed along the Bruce to Rockhampton, and now you've got a situation where, you know, you've got Rockhampton doctors turning on each other, um, they're overworked, uh, nurses and midwives are overworked. It is absolutely catastrophic, and, and yet they sit there and say, we're coming up with solutions. You can't click your fingers and get more doctors. You can't get locums. You can't. It has just been yeah, a bungle right. up. And, and and I want to get to the real issues as a senator. You but you live in in this part of the world, and no doubt you'd be hearing from people who every single day are in desperation. And I just don't know how it gets fixed. And I don't know if it can get fixed that quickly. Well, as you say, I think in the in the short term there has to be bringing in doctors and locums and. Uh, the, we can't have a situation where a major centre like Gladstone doesn't have these health services. This has been now going on near nine months. Uh, how, how did it get to this stage? Surely the government should have been planning for this and focused on these issues. As I say, I just don't think they are at the moment. They're, they're just not focused on the day-to-day work. They've been in government a long time and they, they seem kind of tired and had enough of it. And that means we cop it or we cop less services because of that lack of uh, attention to detail. Uh you know, the, 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 the situation we've got at the moment in the state is that port there at Gladstone, it's holding up our economy. Yeah. <laughs> Coal industry was the biggest export in Australia, $130 billion last year. And how is it with all that wealth coming out of central Queensland, Gladstone, that area, they can't provide adequate health services. Uh, the Queensland budget's very healthy, um, but they seem to be spending money only on the Olympics in Brisbane or the Crossover Rail Project. Uh, where the actual money comes from, where the wealth comes from, we get left behind. Matt, you talked about coal, and you, you've been a huge advocate, uh, and, and you're by no means uh, an extremist, but you know that we you've clearly said we need to have these kind of coal fire plants operational. We actually need to have coal mines for the economy, for the energy crisis. Yet Tanya Plibersek is hell-bent on not approving any new coal mines, even if they've been given approvals from previous governments, she's coming in and she's changing the laws. And despite the fact it doesn't, shouldn't matter that it was Clive Palmer, but he's in the headlights now, he's had one not approved. Um, there seems to be a real push for her to protect not only herself, her seat that she sits in, but there's a green ideology now that they are not going to approve any more coal mines. Well, I think it's actually right, Dobbo. It's being done for politics from my perspective, not not based on the policy reasons. Uh, there are going to be parts of our country where we shouldn't be coal mining. There's going to be parts of our country where we should say no to coal mines. Uh, as you say, despite I'm being a supporter of the coal, of coal mining, um, we've got to have a balance. We've got to protect the environment. But uh, what really concerned me about Tanya's decision the other day was she was totally focused on the reef uh, as the reason why she blocked this particular mine 
And anyone who knows anything about that area and, and the broader Great Barrier Reef knows it's not the coal. Coal is not, the coal mining is not going to damage the reef, which is 50 kilometres offshore. Uh, we've had, we've got 34 coal mines in the Great Barrier Reef catchment area. We've had them for decades. And now we've got record coral cover on the reef. They're clearly not the problem. There were environmental impacts from that mine that, that I was concerned about that we had to manage. That's particularly the local streams and creeks around the River Styx and that area. And I just think Tanya didn't know about all that stuff. She didn't really talk about it. That was the big issue. And uh, now I'm uh, I'm upset that there perhaps hasn't been more effort to try and work out, okay, how can we manage that local environment area and still get a coal mine going? We normally, we normally find ways to balance these things and protect all the different areas. But as I say, the uh, Sydney-based politician in Tanya She's only concerned about holding a seat and it's the reef that gets people fired up and all that stuff, even though a lot of them would never visit it and no, have no idea about the local impact of these different industries. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing that that's the thing that concerns me. They actually don't know what they're talking about in this instance. And any, any normal person goes, well, hang on, that's not going to affect that and let's come up with solutions and let's work together. And as you've said, Matt, many times, the best prime yeah. agricultural land. You do not need to be digging coal in that. You, you, you absolutely, we need to protect our food basement. We need to protect our, our agricultural land. But they have got to work in together We for our economy, for the energy uh, crisis, to be able to power homes. The, the, all these things are imperative. Yet we, we seem to be, at the moment, it, it, it is like, and it, and it looks like outside looking in, and I don't want to be too extreme, that – this new government got in last year and straight away they have gone and they're catering to the minority. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I say that really honestly. I mean, you only have to look at what's going on in Alice Springs. That was completely preventable. It's been preventable. You, your government has spoke to them and said, do not, do not lift these bands. Yep, mm-hmm. uh, down mm-hmm. they went. That's right, and, 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 not, and not just not just the not just the coalition either, Dobbo, the Labor MP from Alice Springs Thanks. was saying exactly the same thing. They, she was ignored. Anthony Albanese at the present moment is just bowing to the minorities in every single area of government, and it is detrimental to the Aussies who are working day to day throughout. The blokes who are in the trucks, the men and women who are in the trucks at the moment, the people who are going off to work in Rockhampton, in Central Queensland, throughout rural and regional Queensland. They're just getting screwed over. It is just, just getting absolutely screwed. And I don't know when it stops. Well, uh, you're right. Um, you're very much right, Dobbo. This is a government that seems to be focused on symbolism, not not uh, not substance. And uh, yeah, the PM go to the Mardi Gras march on the weekend. Good luck to him. He's been to the tennis three nights. Um, but people can't pay their bills right now. Interest rates are surging. They're looking down the barrel. A lot of Australian families of this year is can they stay in their homes uh, and. You know, I'd much prefer my prime minister to be focused on those things rather than this obsession with uh, rainbow flags, uh, yeah. with this voice to parliament. Which, what practical difference is that going to make? As we just discussed, the government is ignoring the current voices of Indigenous MPs to Parliament today. Alice Springs is perhaps the most represented town in our federal parliament of any town in the country. Thirty thousand people. There are two MPs from Alice Springs. Uh, just into Price from the coalition and uh, and um, uh, Marion Scrigemore from the Labor Party, the both of them were saying and warning for months that we shouldn't get rid of these alcohol restrictions. It was going to be a disaster. They're from the town. They know what was going to happen, and they were ignored. So what good is having a voice to Parliament when the current voices in Parliament, Indigenous voices, both those MPs are Indigenous, Indigenous voices in Parliament are ignored. <laughs> what is yeah. the point of this? Why don't, before you set up another voice, why don't you listen to the current voices? 
first. Let's do that uh, and act on what is really happening on the ground in our towns and communities. But too often, Dobbo, I come down here to Canberra and those people that come from regional areas, remote areas, are ignored, especially from a Labor government who is focused on the bureaucracy and what they hear in Canberra, not about what is actually happening on the ground out in our uh, towns and regions. Matt, the four banks have been called about, you know, all about this pulling out of regional uh, areas. Now, I spoke to Tony Rayner, the Mayor of Longreach, three weeks ago. NAB out, decided to leave Longreach. They're they're pushing to an online platform. Then last week, Greg Campbell sends an open letter because the town of Cloncurry, which has gone up since 2015, 18% in population growth, and yet Westpac have decided that they're pulling up stumps there as well. Um, and, and this is going on across – I've spoken, obviously, to Deb Frecklington about what goes on in Kingaroy. It's happened in Chinchilla. The list goes on and on and on about these banks moving out. There's now looks like there's going to be, obviously, an incentive inquiry. But how – in all seriousness, how does this stop? I'm, I feel for everybody, all of us. You know, you just want to be able to go to the bank. Look, they're making record profits, yet still – they're pulling people out of the out of small communities and small towns and taking away our services. Yeah, look, there's a couple of points to, to make here, um, uh, Dobbo. I mean, the first one I just want to, I suppose, um, uh, take it back to what we were just talking about. All of these big banks now have large budgets. They focus on uh, campaigning for the voice. Uh, uh, I'm sure they have a budget to purchase rainbow flags. All of this sort of stuff goes on in, the, in their corporate offices. Uh, that have nothing to do with them making money and profits, but they want to uh, express their their, 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 their their good values, uh, supposed good values to the rest of us. Yet they then close down services in regional and rural areas, including ones that service Aboriginal communities. And so if this was just a profit-making decision from the banks and they had to you know, close down branches because they've got to make money and maximise shareholder value, I could somewhat understand that. But we already know they're spending all this money on virtue signalling. How about some virtue uh, for the, 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 the Indigenous community to do it tough in rural areas? Why don't they just not close down their branches instead of campaigning for the voice? That's what gets me irked up. And you're right, we've set up a Senate inquiry here just Thursday last week. Uh, I've got to give credit to Senator Jared Rennick. He's done great work on this to get this going. Uh, on Thursday, uh, the committee immediately called for a pause in all uh, branch closures. And uh, we've already had results. Uh, Dobbo have been contacted by a bank CEO over the weekend, and they're going to pause their closures. I'll wait and talk to them about how we'll publicise that. Yep. Um, but that, that's a good first outcome. Uh, we've had 92 branches announced being closed in September last year. Uh, this is an ongoing crisis. You asked how we're going to solve this. I don't know that yet. That's why we're doing this Senate inquiry. I do recognise it's becoming very, very tough economically to keep bank sure. branches open. Oh, I get because, that. Because, you know, every yeah. time I go, well, I don't go in that often, but when I went into a branch just the other week in Rockhampton, there's just no one in there anymore, obviously. But but they do provide essential services, especially the businesses, the pensioners who aren't online, and those essential services have got to be guaranteed. So how do we do that in the context of otherwise the rest of us are not using banks that as much as we did physically at least? That's that's the question. And I'm sure we can come up with solutions here. I'm, I think we can come up with the fact we've got the internet now and these services. We've got, we've got so for sure we can get banking services more accessible to people, even in towns that even maybe didn't have a branch. So that's what we're going to look at. I am solutions focused. Uh, and I'm glad that uh, at least one bank so far have recognised uh, that we should pause here and try and come up with solutions together. 
Do you think uh, – I, I think it's f- fantastic that you're doing it. Do you think it's all um, rhetoric that the government are calling in the banks and, the, and um, about the interest rates as well and the RBA about just the interest rate hikes to ask them and question them? Is that just to try and show that they're doing something? Oh, no doubt about it. The government here, they, they're seeking to – uh, put all the blame on on the Reserve Bank who can't really respond uh, and try and distract from their own failings. Um, every time you hear a politician dobbo blame the central bank or the Reserve Bank, you know they're just trying to avoid and distract from their own responsibility. 100%. I mean, look, unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you fairy tales. Inflation is at 7.8%. Um, interest rates have to go up. They, they just have to. Um, what, what's the alternative here? We just If we keep them low... Uh, inflation will get out of control. And that'll be worse for everybody. Keep in mind, when inflation's at 8%, that means your real wealth is, de- your wage is effectively declining by 8% every year. And then you might get 3 or 4% increase in your wage. You're down, you're down 5, 4 or 5%. Yes, you're, you're actually getting a wage cut. And so you can't, we can't keep that up. We've got to kill this as soon as possible. And we've got to make tough choices to do that. What governments can do, rather than whinge about the interest rate rises, what we can do is get our spending under control. That will help. The more we get our spending under control, the 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 the, the lower the interest rate rises have to be. Yeah, uh, that should be our focus. So as I say, when you you're interviewing politicians, don't get them distracting on interest rate rises. Ask them, well, what are you doing uh, to pull in government spending to get rid of government waste uh, and help get inflation down? Appreciate your time, Matt Canavan. You talk Thanks, so much Bobo. sense. Cheers, Thanks, mate. mate. Talk Thanks, to you mate. later. See you, mate. Bye. We're all coins today.